Good morning. You blew my theory. The theory that when the organ stops, everybody sits down. You were already sitting down. <laughs> you got a, a big head start on that. <laughs> Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his, for his excellent greatness. And then it goes on and lists the different instruments, and I won't do that in case any of our orchestra is offended that they don't hear their instrument. <laughs> Rob, it says cymbals, not drums. <laughs> We're so glad that you're here this morning to worship the Lord with us. Let's stand together, please, as we begin. so wonderful this morning. My name is Rachel, like Kevin said, and I'm our communications director here at Anastasia. And we're so happy that you're worshiping here with us this morning. If it's your first time or you have a prayer request or you would just like to learn more about what I'm talking about this morning, um, you can find that by texting the word CONNECT to the number 904-441-6900. There you'll be sent a link and it'll have all of these wonderful things I'm talking about this morning listed there for you to peruse at your leisure. Um, if you also have any other questions, you can step out to the atrium to our welcome desk and those folks there will be happy to 
give you more information that you're needing. Um, just a few things that we would like to highlight that are happening this week. Tomorrow we are having our senior adult lunch. It'll be at 11.30 a.m. and the lunch will be honey baked ham, which is very exciting. Um, so I hope that we see a few of you guys there, a few of your lovely faces there. Um, a few other announcements this week. Wednesday, February 7th at 6 p.m. right here in the sanctuary, we will be having Life House, which will be just a great midweek time of worship. Um, so we would just love for you to join us for that. And then last but certainly not least is we have Impact Weekend coming up. So if you have a sixth or 12th grader in your life, um, go ahead and register for that. For them, it'll be a great weekend of just retreat for them, of learning more and growing in their relationship with the Lord. And that is happening March 1st through the 3rd. So be sure to register them for that. And now we'll continue in this time of worship. Thank you, church.
God's children said. Before you're seated, please take a moment. Welcome someone here. Maybe it's their first time. Welcome them here this morning. Meet Donna, a woman of unwavering faith. Her faith journey began with her kids. Her kids found their path in the children, youth, and college ministry. I remember the first time I came to youth group. That's where I found my purpose. Their spouses embraced the faith too. Being a part of this family and sharing our faith has been incredible. We support each other in our walks with God. All the green kids are here. It's not just for me. It's for my kids and for my grandkids and for all generations to come. Generations of Faith, a legacy that lives on. Well, good morning, church. So good to see you. Joseph, how you doing? I'm doing great, Joseph. Well, if you've been a part of this body of Christ for any given period of time, whether it's just been a few weeks or for years and years, uh, you either know or this family or you have heard of the Nicolosi or the Isaacson clan, I call them. And uh, what you didn't see up there depicted on the video is this, is that not only the senior generation, but it's the middle generation, even the, the grandkids that are all involved in serving in ministry here on the campus here, either on Sundays and during the week. And I say that because that is going to be a great need as we begin to move into and fill our new spaces. We're going to need to raise up new volunteers. And so I would ask you to continue to pray or start praying for that, that God would maybe put that on your heart or someone that you know that would come alongside and help us to raise up volunteers. The other thing that you did not see up on the screen this morning is that every one of those generations, the senior, the middle generation, and the kids, are all participating in our 4G faith campaign uh, financially. And I don't know if you recall, the last time I was before you, we showed you a video that showed two of the grandchildren of the family, and that was Summer and Audrey uh, Isaacson, that uh, showed you or shared with you how they took the challenge of Miss Tamara of the five talents that's told in the New Testament how they entrepreneurially took that and they multiplied it into $200, which then they donated to 4G. So as we said at the beginning of this journey, it takes all of us, no matter what level that you're able to have equal sacrifice, and we ask that you continue to do so faithfully. And, drum roll, I have an exciting announcement to tell you, and that is this. This past week, we eclipsed $7 million. So thank you for your continued generosity and your faithfulness. And so now pray with me if you would. Father God, we just take time now to humbly come before you with hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving for all, Father, that you are doing, that you have done, and that you continue to do, Father, in the life and the body of Christ here at Anastasia. Father, for helping us fulfill the vision. Father, for what you have already done on our behalf. We are grateful and we are thankful and we wait expectant, Father, to see what you will continue to do helping us reach that goal that you've laid on our hearts and given us the vision. So, Father, we ask as we take our tithes and offerings and our sacrificial giving today, that you would take it and multiply it, Father, for the investment in the body of Christ, for ultimately enlarging and expanding and adding to your kingdom. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we ask. Amen. God bless you, church. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Lewis, and, and all your work with our For Generations to Come steering committee. Um, I'd like to talk to you, and you've seen the building back there, $16.7 million building is what we're doing, and that's for generations to come. But I'd like to share with you something that costs more than $16.7 million, and that's your soul. That's your heart, your life, your eternal life. And we're coming together right now uh, to observe the Lord's Supper, and we're going to remember the greatest payment ever made, way more than dollars. 
Jesus Christ gave himself and he shed his precious blood so that you and I could spend eternity in heaven. So that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. So you and I can live in hope, in assurance of salvation. And that's why we're coming. And, and I would like to share with you that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're invited to participate with us. You, are not, does not, you do not have to be a member of this church or even this church tradition. But if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've committed to him as Lord, you know that this cup that we're passing out represents his blood, and you know that the bread represents his body, both of them sacrificed for us that we could live forever. You're invited to participate. And here's how we do it in Anastasia. We're going to pass out the elements. Our deacons are going to pass out the elements. There are two cups stacked on top of each other. Uh, the top one has the juice in it. And you separate it if you can. <laughs> and the bottom one has the, cup, has the bread in it, okay? So you'll just pick up uh, the bread in the cup uh, together as you're taking up a cup. And then we will pray and take these together. Let's start by preparing our hearts in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for, in this moment, Lord God of, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Lord, Lord of our lives. Uh, Lord, we're not worthy of salvation. We're not worthy of forgiveness, but you've given it to us freely. And we're so grateful for that, Lord. And as we prepare our hearts to receive uh, what's been passed on from generation throughout the world. Lord, help us to understand how unworthy we are, but also help us to understand how loved we are, that you made that sacrifice for us. Lord, so great was your sacrifice that while we were still sinners, you died for us. And Lord, I pray that as we take this, Lord, remembering your sacrifice, that we would leave with a renewed commitment to following you and trusting you. In your precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.
the Bible tells us that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your humanity, Lord, that you came down completely God, but completely human, Lord, and, and connected with us, Lord. And Lord, it's by your stripes we're healed. It's by that human sacrifice that we find forgiveness, Lord. And I ask that, that as we take this, Lord, we remember that sacrifice, Lord, and we commit to you. Lord, whatever small sacrifice you make, Lord, know that, that what you paid was far greater. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And let's take the cup. And the Bible also says, in the same manner after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your precious blood that you gave for us. Lord, that brings us forgiveness, Lord. It was the ultimate and sufficient sacrifice, Lord, the atoning sacrifice for all the sins of all humanity, for all mankind, Lord, for all ages. And Lord, I can't even imagine, I can't wrap my head around that, how great you took on that weight. But Lord Jesus, we're so thankful. And Lord, help me and help us to dedicate our lives, every bit of our life blood strength to serve you and to praise you. In your precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's partake together. And another thing I like to remind us is that that night Jesus was betrayed. He also taught us one other thing. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. God bless you.
Good morning. We live in a society that we are, in which we are, bombarded by messages that say, in order to be important, in order to really make a difference, there are some prerequisites. There are some requirements that need to be made, requirements that have to be met. For younger generations, you know, younger generations have such a great pressure on them. My heart goes out to them. Uh, they, uh, on, they are on social media so much that, that they have to be able to post and, and have content. They have to be postable all the time. All that pressure. And in order to be someone of influence, you need to have hundreds of thousands of people on social media following you. Uh, it's not that for the older generation. The older generation is less about social media. It's like having that voice. Uh, of E.F. Hutton. Do you remember E.F. Hutton? Yeah. When E.F. Hutton speaks and everybody gets quiet. Yeah. yeah. Having that voice of E.F. Hutton. Now, if you're younger and you don't understand what I'm talking about, it's not because you're too young. I think it's because I'm getting too old. But, <clears throat> or you need to be of a certain age before you can be important. Or maybe you have to, either it's too old or too, too young. Or maybe you need to be able to mobilize hundreds uh, of people or millions of dollars. But in Christ, in Jesus Christ, in his kingdom, in his will, in his plan, the last person is just as important as the first person. Okay? The weakest person is just as important as the strongest person. And, and the widow's might is just as valuable and precious as the crown jewels of England. So God has this plan. And the plan is that people who are the least of these 
are near and dear to the heart of God. And the people that are the least of these are just as important. In God's kingdom, every person is important. That's one of our core values here at Anastasia Baptist Church. Every person is important. You are important to God. Not just in receiving ministry, you're important in God's plan. Every person is important. You are, you are valuable as an instrument in his hand. And that's what Titus chapter 2 is telling us. You know, we're in, we're in the book of Titus, and, and we're trying to see what God is saying about building a godly foundation, a solid foundation. And, and God does great things through his body, but also he uses every single person in the body of Christ to accomplish his will. And every person is important. So I invite you to open up your Bibles and we're turning to Titus chapter 2. We're on this journey through the book of Titus and we're focusing on godly foundations. And just as a recap, just in case you missed it, you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, Paul wrote to this younger pastor whom he had left in Crete with this infant church that was born in a culture that was super immoral. And he left Titus there. And there are many believers who are young and immature in the faith. And he said, you need to build the foundation. You need to work to build this church up. And so anyway, we're coming to chapter 2. And, and I see in here the, the God, that God is speaking to a lot of people. And we see that every person is important. Each and every individual is significant and vital in the Lord's work of bringing transformation. Every person has the potential to make a difference in someone else's soul. Do you believe that? Every person, you have a difference. You have a potential to make a difference in someone else's soul. You have a potential to make a difference in someone else's eternal destiny. You are important. You know, you may have walked into this place, say, I'm, I'm one of hundreds of people. What, real, what difference does it make? I'll just come and sit. I'll hear a, a message. I'll sing some songs, and, and, uh, and that'll be it. No, there's more to it than that. Every person is important in making a difference. Now, you can't fix everyone's problems we're not called to. And you and I can't create world peace. That's not our job, okay? But we can all make a difference, right? We all make a difference. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? This is Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 1. I'll, I'll read the first 10 verses. But as for you, Paul's writing to Titus, as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, Sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. That they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word. Lord, help us to, to see the truth that you have for each one of us and how we're all part of your plan. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in this passage, in Titus chapter 2, these first 10 verses, Paul addresses five groups of people. He addresses older men. He addresses older women. He addresses younger women. He addresses younger men. And he addresses bond servants or slaves back in that day, probably the the best example today would be employees. Anybody feel like as an employee they were a slave or have been a slave? <laughs> so, anyway. And I want to address some truths that apply across the board to all of us. And so let's just dig in here. In verse 2 it says, older men, older men. Paul is talking to the older men of Crete. And he says, you are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in three things. Sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So mature men... You are to be an example. Men who have experienced navigating life, you should, you should be an example to those that are younger. Uh, it says you should be sober-minded. That means you're level-headed. You think things through. You should be dignified. You know what it means to be dignified? It means don't be a fool, okay? You don't have to punch your husband here. Pastor's saying it. Don't be a fool, okay? 
self-controlled. That's an interesting word because self-control is in the book of Titus an awful lot. And you know, it's actually one of the gifts of the Spirit. And to be under the control of the Holy Spirit means also to be self-controlled. Isn't that interesting? Reflect on that for a long time. Wrap your mind around that. To be under the control of the Holy Spirit means to be self-controlled. When often we think about emptying ourselves to have the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm just, I don't know the answer. I'm just reflecting on that. But there's some discipline there. And to be sound. Sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. And sound means to be whole, to be complete. Uh, be complete, to be growing in these three things, in faith, in love, and steadfastness. So here's the job of older men of faith, okay? Never give up. That's it. Never give up. And, and this is the first point. Never give up. We are never too old to set an example. Never too old to set an example. You know, um, I don't know if you saw the Instagram feed from uh, Frank Phillips and I playing pickleball a couple weeks ago. Anybody see that, that Instagram feed? Yeah, yeah. I don't get an Instagram. Someone else did that. But, but you know, uh, an Instagram feed, you know, Frank Phillips and I were, were uh, playing pickleball in the new building. We set up a little court just to show people what was inside there. And we played the very first pickleball game in the Anastasia Rec Center. Okay. Now, I'd never played before. There are two young guys who played a hundred times before. You know, that's really good. And so anyway, you see that video. You saw that we won, okay? <laughs> what you didn't see was the only thing we won was the very last point. <laughs> but, you know, as someone who is older, um, the person who made the video, the person who directed it and clipped it and edited it and all that kind of stuff, she reports directly to me. So she made me look really good. <laughs> I just, just want you to know. Age and, age and wisdom will beat out youth and strength every time. <laughs> but you can be an influence. You can be an influence. You know, there, never give up. There's a temptation to get burned out and, and, and say, well, I'm just going to quit. I, I, I'm just going to give up. You're never too old. There is so much power in being an example of faith where someone can see the transforming work of Jesus Christ that's been going on for decade after decade after decade. I mean, you think about that. Someone comes to faith in the Lord, and they might have trusted Jesus Christ for one day he makes a difference, or one week, or a month, or two months, or a year. Think about Jesus Christ transforming someone's life for decade after decade after decade. That's inspiring. And younger generations need to see what that looks like. They need to see all, all of Christ in somebody, all the good stuff of Christ in them, in that long road of following Jesus Christ. There's so much power in that kind of example. And so I just want to say, men, don't give up. And if you're older in the faith, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, never give up. You're never too old to be a great example for Jesus Christ. As a pastor, I've looked up to other pastors. I look to see how pastors serve. And, and I'm grateful to be here with Pastor Ron, our pastor emeritus. You've been a great example to me. There have been others I've looked up to on the national scene. Say, I'd like to be like that pastor, that pastor. I've been so disappointed in some of the people I've looked up to. The people I thought were really good examples, seeing so many of them fall uh, in disgrace. So many of them getting the power of a large church and all that kind of stuff, and it just it just influences them in a bad way. I don't want to ever be that person, and I want to encourage you: don't be that person. Be the person who finishes well. Be the person who finishes well. Never give up. And then it says here in verses 3 and 4, it says, Older women, he tells Titus, tell the older women this, likewise, who are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good and so train the young women. Okay. Now, I think the hardest part for Titus in this was trying to identify who's, who considers themselves an older woman, who considers themselves a younger woman. I, I, think, I think that Paul gave Titus a, a landmine there, a minefield that he had to navigate through here. So, so I'm, I'm just thinking, how did Titus say, hey, let's get all the older women together? Uh, anyway, we'll go on from there. Um, he gave similar advice to the mature women that he gave to the seasoned men. And, and it's this idea of being this good example. He says, first of all, be reverent in behavior. And that word reverence, a cool word. That word reverent means conspicuous and holy put together. Be conspicuously holy. Let the holiness be the set-apartness of, of following Jesus Christ be something that people obviously notice. Let them see that you are someone that's given to Jesus Christ. Be reverent, okay? 
Be reverent. Then it says, not slandering or gossiping, because that's not being reverent. You need slander or you gossip. When you go to someone, when, you, when someone has a problem with you, you have a problem with someone, and you go to someone else other than that person, that's what gossip is. That's what slander is. You don't do that if you're a mature believer. If you're a mature believer, you know, you tell people to their face what that encouraging thing is they need to know. Okay? And if you're doing it any other way, okay, that's not being reverent. Yeah, that's being disobedient to the Bible. You know, these are, these are Bible components that everyone needs to understand, okay? And then it says, teach and train. Teach whoever is younger than you, whoever is less experienced in the faith than you. Let them, let them uh, uh, get that experience that you have. You pass it on to them. Uh, those with whom the Lord has opened up a good relationship, teach and train. Teach means you're sharing the facts. Train means you're showing them how to implement those facts into your life, okay? Teach and train. So here's the point. And this is a point for every single person here, not just the older women, and there aren't any older women here, but if there were older women here, I would say this to everybody. Become an intentional influence for the next generation. Become an intentional influence for the next generation. And that takes time. One generation taking time to invest in the next generation. One generation proclaiming the mighty works of God to the next generation. And notice here that Paul didn't tell Pastor Titus. He didn't say, Titus, you need to teach the young women how to be good mothers and wives. Okay? He didn't say. He said, you talk to the older women. Let them teach. And so Paul didn't say, you as that pastor, you got the title pastor. Now you get to mansplain to all the women what it means to be a, a, a wife and a mother. No, he didn't do that. He said, the women are the ones that have the experience in navigating life. Let the women talk to the women about what it is to be a woman of faith. Okay? Let them do that. If, if you want to see a change in culture, uh, all of us, and I do, I want to see a change in culture. Anybody else want to see a change in culture? I think our culture needs to change. Here's how it's not going to change, by complaining about culture. If you want to see a change in culture, invest in it. Invest in those people that need Jesus. Invest in them. Help them to understand what it means. Be a bigger influence in their lives than TikTok. Spend more time with them than they're going to spend with TikTok. Get, get in the middle uh, of their lives. You're important, and you can be an intentional influence. Think about the influence you're making. Be intentional. Make it godly. Give it over to the Lord. Be an intentional influence of Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 4, he says this, he says, and so train the young women to love their husbands. So the older women training the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled. Uh, here's that word, self-controlled again. Pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. You know, the word of God, we're lifting up the word of God. We say here at Anastasia Baptist Church that Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map. Okay, Jesus is the way. And the Bible is the map. And so what we're doing is younger women, older women are training younger women to, to follow those Bible, those Bible priorities, those, those Bible priorities of God and uh, so that God's reputation will be good. Now, I know most of you are waiting with bated breath to say, what's Pastor Walter going to say about younger women uh, submitting and obeying their husbands? Because usually what I do when I come to this passage is I go on vacation and assign this to <laughs> an associate pastor. It didn't work out this way today. <laughs> but here's what it means. Submit means to respect. It means it, it's something that goes on the inside. It means to respect and show kindness to, uh, for, for someone else. And he's saying, younger wives, respect your husband. Show kindness to him. It does not mean put up with abuse. It does not mean that at all. It does not mean put up with humiliation. That is not what this word is saying here. It means show kindness and respect to your husband. As someone who's been given a responsibility, and uh, if you're a man in this room, you know you've been given a responsibility to provide leadership in your home, to be a spiritual example. And let me tell you a secret, women. Most of your men feel supremely inadequate in that job. They see your faith, and they are greatly intimidated. And, and they, they want to be a good example in the home. And they need your support. They need your kindness and respect as they try to work out faith. And so I just want to, it means to be kind and respect your husbands as someone who's given responsibility to provide perfect protection in the home. And in the greater context of scriptures, let me, let me just uh, say this. We're called to all submit to one another. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, it's not just going one way. We're supposed to show kindness and respect to each other. All believers are supposed to do that, mutual respect. So I'm going to follow Paul's advice. I'm not going to say, young women, this is how you do it. I'm going to let the older women tell the younger women how to do it. That's what the Bible says. You, you share how that works in your marriage. But the question is, do you trust the word of God? Do you trust the priorities of God? You know, When we say the Bible is the map, what it means is, that the Bible is the map. It's, it's not one of 10 different ways that we live out our faith. It's the way. Okay, Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map. So I'm going to follow that. And uh, it, it's the word of God. So I want to embrace every bit of the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Do you believe the priorities of God and some of the stuff that's harder for us to understand? Are, are you willing to, to stick with it and try to figure that out? That the Word of God might not be reviled, that we're not, we're not the kind of people that say, well, we believe this part of the Word of God and not that part of the Word of God. But how do you, how do you practice that? You know, it's an Old Testament version of this is um, Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, it says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He's leading me along his path, his plan, his will. He leads me in those paths of righteousness for a reason, for his name's sake. See, the name of the Lord, his reputation, we're to praise his reputation. We're to, we're to, we're to lift up his name. Why? Because it's so important for the world to know that we have a Savior that makes a difference in our lives. And so he leads us in paths of righteousness. He leads us according to his priorities, his plans, so that the world can see how great God is. And so he leads us in the paths of righteousness, embracing righteousness. And you know where that leads us? To heaven. I went to the men's conference yesterday, the men's, men's event that they had here at Anastasia, the champions event, where they had all the, all the meat to eat, and, um, and they were... <laughs> Throwing axes, and everyone, sh they had the fancy fast cars out there, uh, and uh, had a tremendous speaker. And the speaker put together a term that, that I thought, wow, that is a priority of God. He put together some words there that I'd not seen put together the same way before. And he said, you look at the Bible. He, he's talking in different contests, but he said, he said, here's something we have to practice in our lives. Unilateral forgiveness. Well, you know, that's a Bible priority, unilateral forgiveness. We forgive not because other people express that they did something wrong. We don't forgive if people only did a certain amount bad to us. We just forgive because that's what God's put in our heart. We're just to forgive people, unilateral forgiveness. I'm just going to forgive people whether or not they admit that they did anything wrong to me. That, that's, that's embracing the priorities of God. So anyway, just embrace what God is saying in everything that we do. That's going to make a difference. And then Paul wrote Titus to tell uh, him how to instruct the young men. Now, for the older men, the older women, the younger women, he had two or three, four instructions. But for the young men, he just gave one instruction. Look at that, verse 6. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. That's all he said. Urge the younger men to be self-controlled. All these young men, high on testosterone, they can be so explosive and dynamic and daring and passionate and stupid and insensitive. They can be all that, right? And he says, you know, the Bible says rein it in. Here's this word, be, be, be self-controlled again. Be self-controlled in the power of the Spirit. Put some discipline into your life here. Passion is great. But don't rely on others to bring you in. Let the Holy Spirit put some direction in your life. With, with all the drive that God has given you, whoever you are, man or woman, whatever drive God's given you, whatever strength God has given you, whatever charisma God has given you, place it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Be self-controlled because you represent Christ. And he said, Titus, you need to be an example of this. He said in verse 7, he said, Title, you need to be a model of good works in your teaching. Show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So we're going to bring the passions and emotions under the control and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And then the next category, he talks about the, the bond servants, the slaves. And the best comparison, like I said, would be employees. He says, bond servants. And I just want to say to you, if you're an employee, you have to report to somebody are to be submissive, okay, that, again, that does not mean to put up with humiliation or abuse. It means to show kind respect, okay? 
It's something's happening on the inside. They're to be submissive to their masters and everything. They're to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. Are you that way as an employee? Are you not argumentative? Not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So if you're going to be an employee, don't steal. Be pleasant. Be trustworthy so that we're putting good attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to say is make the gospel attractive. Make the gospel attractive. Make following Jesus something that that other people look at and say, that's a good thing. This is someone who's following the Bible. This is a good thing for our business. This is a good thing in the marketplace. You know, I've had people tell me that they like to hire Christians. They try to hire Christians. But there are some Christians who are the worst employees because they go about sowing discord in the workplace, okay? They're going out uh, expressing judgment of other people. They, they go out that, that some employers saying, you've heard this, they're so spiritually minded that they are no earthly good, okay? Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Demonstrate that following Jesus makes us useful in this world. You know, the message in this passage is that every person's important. You can do something. You can do something. You can be an example. You can influence that next generation. Every person is important. You are important. You're vital in the kingdom. And you may have come into this place and said, I'm one of 100, 200, uh, 250 people in this room right now. And you may say, you know, I'm going to go my merry way. I've, I've listened to the songs. I've, I've heard the message. And, and, and that's all I'm going to do. Let me tell you, God has something more for you to be a difference. You're not here just to soak up. You soak up what God gives you because you're supposed to go out and share it with the world. And you are important. And God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. And and you may say, I'm not that important. Yes, you are. If you have Jesus in your heart, you have a treasure. You have a potential that that is so powerful. And you need to share that treasure with somebody else. You know, the Lord has a plan to use each of us. Now, uh, never give up. Be that intentional influence. Embrace God's priorities. And don't ever feel like you don't matter because you do matter. Jesus loves you. Now, some people don't feel like they matter because they've never understood what it means to be unconditionally accepted. That's what Jesus does for you. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us, right? He died for us. If you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord, if you want to know what it means to be important, the first thing, the first thing is to trust what Jesus says about you. You are important. He died for you. It's to believe that Jesus Christ not only died for you, that he lives for you. That Jesus Christ, he's at the right hand of the Father right now. And you know what he's doing? He's waiting for you to get to heaven. He's waiting for you to receive all that he wants you to do. If you've never received salvation in his name, you can receive him right now by just believing that he died for you, believing that he's alive, and committing to following him. You say, I don't know how to follow him. I can't, can't see him. Well, we follow his words. He'll show himself to you. If you seek the Lord, you seek him with all, all your heart, you'll find him. The Bible says you will. Just trust him. If you've never done that, I want to say the best thing you can do today in understanding your importance and understanding your value is to trust Jesus Christ right now and to say, Lord Jesus, I do believe you and I'm giving my life to you. And if you do that, you're doing the most important thing you could ever do. And he will bless you because every person, including you, is important. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word. And Lord, if there's someone here, Lord, they're struggling with their value. They're struggling with why am I here? Lord, I pray that you would just open up that knowledge. Lord, open up that that potential in them. And Lord, the first thing, help them understand that trusting in you is the first step to the best life ever. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, that that the Holy Spirit is just opening up their spiritual eyes that they can see that there's forgiveness and a new start and there's a path and that path leads to heaven. Lord, just move among us, Lord. Whatever step of faith we have to take, Lord, help us to take that step of faith and give glory to your name. Because all this is happening in your power and in your plan. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I invite you to stand right now.
We're coming to a time of response. And if you want to make a public response, there are people that will come down and say, hey, I want to be a member of this church. You can come down and be a member. You might come down and say, I want to present myself for baptism. Or you want to find out what it means to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We have counselors ready to share that with you. The most important decision you can make. If God's calling you, you come. same love is prepared a course for us this week. So may we walk in those steps following the Holy Spirit. Father, may we always remember that we're, we're never too old to be an example. Now may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 